0: Hello Stackers, I'm Rhett, the Dungeon Master for Stack of Dice, and typically we would have an actual play episode on Monday, but because of the time of year and because of all the busyness and family time and all that sort of thing, we did not get together to record another actual play episode, and so instead I want to have some special content to continue with our publishing schedule, but also just to uh, have a little bit of fun thinking about different aspects of the game. And so I'm going to spend some time in this episode talking about play styles, and we'll get into more detail about that. But actually with me is a special guest.
1: What's up, Stackers? It's Thane, and I'm back to talk with my dad about play styles for Dungeons & Dragons.
0: Yeah, I've been looking forward to this discussion. But first, why don't you fill us in a bit about what you've been up to for the last few months?
1: Well, I uh, have been off at college. I've been attending Florida College down in Florida. It's been a blast, honestly. I've made a lot of very good friends down there, and i really enjoyed my classes. I think I did fairly well. Um, And I've had a lot of fun with that. I played a little bit of D&D with some of my friends. Nothing too worthwhile, though we didn't didn't get into any real serious games. I picked up wargaming as a hobby. I've always kind of wanted to get in, but uh, being off of college, I finally had the ability to... Um, start kind of getting into that, I uh, found out about Kings of War, uh, a fantasy um, war game that I found first edition in some used bookstore near campus and kind of got some of my friends into that. We just played with index cards to represent the units and stuff like that, but that was really fun. Um, And just recently I've gotten into Warhammer 40k finally, been kind of lurking on the fringes of the communities online and now I finally got myself the uh, ninth edition starter set, which I've been really jazzed about.
0: Yeah, and uh, so talk with us just a bit. We'll get back to some of these details in a little bit, but talk with us a bit about uh, your D&D gaming down there. Now, from what I understand, you were actually running the game as the Dungeon Master. I was. What is Dungeon Mastering to you? I mean, what what do you get out of it? Do you like doing it? I do. Uh, yeah, and so I quite on.
1: honestly do. Um, I've dm'd a little bit over my time i started ninth grade something like that yeah so when you started the D club it. at school right i remember i i did so i did some dming first for some of my friends from church uh that was my first four-way yep. foray when mm-hmm. you uh dad here was running the the uh minds of fandelver adventure with mm-hmm. us and then, after a little bit, just said, "Hey, Thane, do you. Do you want to take over?" And I said, "Would I?" And then I realized I had no idea how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a fun learning experience. Um, but I, I think I've I've grown to be a pretty good DM over the years. I did a lot of I played a lot of during high school, especially in my sophomore year, when I actually started at an official club with some of my friends, and we played every lunch period. Uh, the entire year that was fantastic and I've I've done a little bit every here and there with other new players and stuff like that and just been kind of growing in dungeon mastering I, I really like it because it's it's storytelling and it's
0: so you've done a lot of dungeon mastering what what do you think do you like it?
1: but I, I really do like dungeon mastering it's storytelling. It's, it's a way that I can use to really bring the nebulous concepts that drift in my cavernous mind. Uh, <laughs> it's a way for me to realize the, um the, uh, the various concepts that kind of float around in my head. Um, Some of them work. Some of them don't. Uh, My,
0: I think that's the case for everyone. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying that. Cause
0: I'm just saying,
1: yeah, <laughs> It's been fun.
0: What do you think is the yeah. most rewarding aspect of being a dungeon master?
1: The best part is when you pose a situation that get the they get the players to really talk among themselves. Because it's it's one thing to put your players in a situation and they uh, just say I, I attack the monster or I cast the spell or something like that. But it's another thing when you've laid down certain plot points that your characters have really picked up on and that you've set up a very tricky situation and so then you lay whatever the problem is before the players and you can just kind of sit back and just watch them really try and piece things together in all honesty i've not really played a game where i've been able to do that but i just in games where that has been the case like in in the podcast and in a couple other games that i've been in where suddenly there's just a really tricky thing that we all just have to really put our minds together. I feel like dungeon masters just get a lot of joy out of that just to see one, their players have been paying attention and two, that they're really trying to figure out whatever it is that, Mm -hmm. you know, they've put before their
0: audience. Yeah. So personally, I think the two things that really make me feel the most joy in being a dungeon master, number one is when I say that's the end of the episode and everyone goes, ah! Yeah, that, you know?
1: That's also great.
0: Yeah, because it means that you're into it. You don't want the story to end for the evening, and so it's it's tough to let it go. But I think number two is when the players start role-playing. Yep. Because what that means is you as the Dungeon Master have set the tone. You have built the world to a point where the players can kind of imagine themselves in it, and they begin interacting as though they're there. They begin interacting with the world. And so to me, that's an indicator that I have properly built things to a point where you are able to take it and run with it. So yep. those are my indicators of success as a DM. And really to me, that's when I feel like I'm having the most fun.
1: Yep. Those are high those those are high up on my list.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, great. And so as you continue in your college experience, obviously mom and I are rooting for you. <laughs> And it's been good to see you taking to it as well as you have. So thank you for that. Like I said at the beginning of this, we're going to take some time to talk about play styles. And by that, I I mean, there's many things you could talk about in this topic. But the one I particularly wanted to focus on was uh, whether or not to use miniatures. Mm.
1: Or just other physical props in games.
0: Yeah. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this. And we're going to Throw some ideas back and forth, and then we'll wrap up, and then you can move on with your week. (laughs) First of all, to miniature or not to miniature? That
1: That is is the question.
0: question. I've been in games where we've used minis, I've been in games where it's all been in the mind. And so let's start by talking about some of the benefits of using miniatures.
1: Well, for one, it's good for trying to keep track of a lot of things happening if you have a map and you have minis and and all this stuff you can see quite clearly where everybody is who's doing what you can even get a more concrete idea of the scenery you know whereas if i if i just describe a scene to you with words you might imagine one thing while well, there's something else in my mind or something like that but if there's a map you can tell exactly where the trees are and what shape that rock is and um you can see where all the enemies are and where your teammates are too
0: yeah so obviously there are some good things like if i'm trying to describe a particularly complicated looking room yep that can really overwhelm players very quickly Mm -hmm. to the point that they have completely wildly different ideas not only of what i'm thinking but what if what each other is thinking yep and so that can lead to a lot of confusion and and wasted time really as people are trying to get a common picture Maps are helpful in that regard. And of course, having minis on the map also helps you to understand, here's my player, my character, and here are all the enemies, and my ally is 20 feet to my left. I've got another one behind me, and yeah, so it's on. it's especially
1: so good for keeping track of distances for like spells and uh, ranged attacks and all that jazz. Right,
0: and so there's a lot of good that can come from that. What about bad? What What's bad about minis?
1: Well... First, you have to have minis in order to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's not, some cost associated. Yeah, there's a little bit of cost, and not everybody is able to you know, get together all the things that they need in order to um, showcase whatever's going on. Now,
0: like you said in your intro comments, there are low-cost ways to do it, like cutting up index cards and writing stuff on them. You could use those as markers on the map, almost yep. like little tiles, to indicate location. So there are ways to work around it. But definitely, I mean, if you're if you're a browser of pages and if you look at Thane's Instagram, you'll see all these wonderful figures that he's painted. Uh, and there are others out there who do amazing work on painting these minis, it's it's mind-bogglingly good. Yeah. And so um, you know, the temptation is there to want to have that too. Mm-hmm. So eventually, if you're serious about it, you'll fall into it and you'll find out it's an expensive hobby. Yeah. Another and well
1: you know in in vain with just you know things looking nice. The benefit of having physical props is they really bring the game to life. It's a lot more vivid to the players you know if you um you can always have a certain image of your character in in your mind, but if you have a little figure on the table and he's surrounded by enemies, you get a more visual representation of what the battle looks like. And all that stuff, but and yeah. It,
0: again, if you have the actual minis where mm-hmm. you're surrounded by goblins and you're like, okay, goblins, but then there's an ogre behind them mm-hmm. and he's actual scale scale size compared to the goblins, you get a, a real quick... <sighs> moment of oh <laughs> oh dear yeah <laughs> or there's a dragon somewhere and, mm-hmm. and you see your little figure in front of it and it's like yikes this is not going to be good <laughs> yeah yeah it can definitely add an immersive element that way
1: yeah but on on the downside like we said you know there's a little bit of cost associated with them and they're also requires at least a little bit of preparation like even if you're going with the index tiles you still have to cut them out and label them and, and all that But, you know, if if you're just describing things so that even if you want to add something new into the game that you just thought of of off the top of your head, you might not have what you need in order to represent that on the tabletop. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we're just describing things and using the theater of the mind.
0: And that's not not even to mention the fact that you need to prepare the map, too. Yep, that too. So that takes time and, uh, you know, it's not terribly time intensive, but uh, it can be. Mm -hmm. depending on how detailed you want to get with your map. There's another aspect that could be a downside for using miniatures, and that is it can bog down the gameplay. Yep. If you're worried about positioning and movement and all that kind of thing, it takes time to push miniatures around the table. And I find sometimes that players get more wrapped up in where they are in the room than on what's going on. Yep. Or can I move six squares in this turn to get exactly where I need to go there can be good in that but at the same time if you're you know using string to figure out if you have line of sight and all this kind of stuff it can get a little time intensive yep and that breaks the flow of the game that disrupts things so yeah definitely think about what kind of a game you're looking for are you looking for a tactical simulator that has you know lots of positioning and flanking movements and whatever else you're trying to simulate or are you looking for a role-playing game there's room for it obviously but just take that into account as a dungeon master if you are looking to add this element to your games
1: yeah in essence using miniatures and and props and all that stuff is a lot more rigid and if if you're using that you will often find that gameplay can be a bit more restricted to to stricter rules as you can then physically see how far you how far you can move, how far you can shoot, where mm-hmm. you can attack and all that but um as a result it's it's a lot easier to envision and uh can be a lot more enjoyable and also there's there's some pride that be, that can be taken into putting a lot of effort into making a very nice display for yourself and your players
0: yeah um, i'll tell you what you see some of these rigs that dm set up in their basements cow. with the digital tables and yeah i've seen one where the guy had an animated table where it looked like there was a cart rumbling along a road so you'd have your players in the cart and the the landscape is actually moving past the cart. oh my goodness <laughs> it's a top-down view and then you know whatever but it was just really fun to see yeah Okay, so that takes us through the minis side of playing, and let's also think about theater of the mind. We'll start with a definition of what theater of the mind is. I I think most players know, and it's not hard to guess from the name, in theater of the mind, you're moving everything physical from the tabletop, and you're expecting your players to imagine the scenery that you're describing, the layout of the battlefield, and that sort of thing where they are in relation to each other, enemy locations, all that good stuff. The DM is trying to describe things clearly enough that the players are able to picture all these things in their mind without having to lay out a map and minis and everything. So there's some good and bad in that too.
1: Yeah, It's a lot more abstract than with miniatures. Basically, all the good things we have to say about and, you know, imagination is going to be all based off of the bad things that we said for miniatures and all the bad things we said for we say for this one is going to be what we said was good for the other one. So it's going to be a little bit of just kind of repeating slightly. But anyway, so what's neat about using a more imaginative forms of role playing is that it's a lot more free form and a lot less, um, a, a lot more fluid. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting all the resources together to, you know, make maps and characters and all that stuff. And you can do a lot more things on the fly, just kind of making things up as you go along because you don't have to worry about, Oh, do I have the figures to represent this thing that I wasn't planning for originally, but would work amazingly in the story. Um, You can just kind of throw that in there. um, If you're just describing. So
0: what about the bad then?
1: Well, as I said, it's a lot more abstract, whereas you have a lot more versatility with simple imagination, as a result, as we said earlier, it can lead to a lot of confusion, where if you don't describe something either simply or precisely, it's probably not going to be imagined the same way by everyone, which could then lead to um, oh, what's the word? misunderstandings and other complications which can slow down the gameplay
0: yeah so really a lot of balancing needs to go into either approach to make sure that you are not causing undue problems for your players and part of it is knowing your players too what are they willing to put up with yeah basically and what engages them the most yeah mainly we want to make sure as dungeon masters that we are planning our games in a way that will keep the people at the table best engaged Including yourself. Including yourself. Because you are indeed at the table. And you're playing.
1: And you are playing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It might not seem like that sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. The more I serve as Dungeon Master, the more I realize the benefit to the players sometimes taking surprising directions. Yep. Because what that does is it derails my story. (laughs) And that's a good thing. And that's something that I've had to learn to be comfortable with when you all decide, you know what, we're going to go this way. And all I planned for was that way. <laughs> uh, you know, it's great because now all of a sudden I'm backpedaling. I'm trying to think, what do I do now? And so that's, that's when I am actually playing. Is when I'm having to come up with story and details and characters and whatever that I hadn't even expected.
1: Yeah, it's two-part. The players have to think on their feet as to how to solve the problems. And the Dungeon Master has to think on his feet as to how to solve the problem that is the player.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's all fun. It is indeed. All right, so in our podcast, obviously, we opted for the theater of the mind approach. Now, I've listened to some... Kind of. Kind of. I've listened to some podcasts where the players at the table are actually using a map and minis, but they're narrating it through the podcast, and that may be a good approach. That
1: takes some conscious effort, though especially if you're going for a podcast and using a map the players all have to be conscious of the fact that you know their listeners can't see what they're doing and so they have to make sure that they are describing what they are doing so that way those you know for you listening at home yeah. you know what's going on
0: that i mean it'd be very it would be very audibly confusing in a podcast to hear okay i'm going to move here all right you move there and that's it i mean there there's no visual cue to show exactly where the player moved and so on so we opted from the outset to go with the complete theater of the mind approach and i think it's worked out okay Uh, i know there have been times where things were not as clear as i wish they could have been yeah but at the same time that's kind of the beauty of stories anyway because no matter what you say, people are gonna form their own pictures of what's actually going on,
1: yeah, now, actually, we have not taken a complete theater of the mind uh way of playing because you you know we have we have maps and um and the various different texts that you've handed to us, especially uh that one that we got when we were in Setharban, where you like even made up the whole script and burned the paper a little bit and all that <laughs> that was super cool. I got a kick out of that, but do we put pictures of that up on?
0: We did. I could see about posting them get reposting them.
1: Yeah. But just so, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, we're looking at this and it, it looks all authentic and it's really helping us get into the story, but you at home can't necessarily see it or feel it or really sniff it, taste it, all the stuff that we did while we were playing. But yeah, so for the most part, we've just been imagination. We're dad describes something and we just have to kind of keep it in mind as we try and figure out how we're going to react. Yeah. But occasionally there have been some, you know, slightly physical props that we use to just help us understand where we are and what we're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been a fun balance. Uh, I think we've done a good enough job of describing things, but at the same time, having the physical at the table has been helpful. So, what are your thoughts, stackers? How do you play your games? Has our approach been working? Could we do a better job? We'd love it if you would tell us through Twitter and Instagram at Dice, or by contacting us by email at stack.odice at gmail.com. Thane, I want to thank you for taking a little bit of time to talk about this. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk D&D with you. Likewise. I did want to take just a moment to talk with you about your podcast experience and this game in particular. So, you know, why don't you just walk us through, when you think back to 2018 and us sitting down for the first time to record oh. and the story ahead and your experience level and you know, wh- whatever you want to talk about with regard to the podcast.
1: So I'm pretty sure I've said before, But this has got to be the best Dungeons & Dragons game I've ever been able to be a part of. Um, It's just, it's been a really amazing project to be a part of um, because I don't think I would have gotten as much appreciation out of it if I had not been part of the development process. You know, we didn't think we've, we've talked about this, but dad came home from work one day after having, you know, messed around with some Photoshop cartography tutorial and just had this map that he just made. You, you know, he's, we've been wanting to, we've been thinking about doing a podcast or, you know, homebrewing a, a d adventure. And so dad had made this map and he's like it's pretty cool but you know might just go and make another one now that i have the gist down we never made another map no. <laughs> we just kind of started making up countries for each of the different colored boundaries on there and before we knew it we had made a whole world of of people and, and a whole story and everything and um we had played uh, a game before this one just here at home yeah
0: we did a kind of a, a- Developing game, yep, in the same world, yeah. To start building out some of the places and people
1: at an earlier time in in the world history, mm-hmm. um, and that was really cool. But just kind of being part of this, and I, I like I've said, I've I wasn't really expecting to be part of this game because I I knew too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone else was supposed to to be in this game, but turns out they weren't going to be able to be in it. And so dad came up to me one day and said, how would you like to be in the game? And I say, I want, (laughs) and it's, it's been great since. And I I think, I think it's worked out fairly well because in all honesty, they needed somebody who knew the world. Uh, but I didn't know too much because basically after then dad wouldn't talk to me anymore about his, uh, his ideas. And you missed
0: that. I did. Yeah. We both did. We both missed being able to talk freely about Uh, World events and story ideas and that kind of thing. Yeah, So um,
1: I kind of missed out on a bit of that, but I had a basic knowledge of the world and what all was going on and what was where, and that really kept us afloat, I think. And I had a pretty good basic idea of what the main mission was. And so uh, when Mom and, and Michael were having difficulties remembering what exactly we were going and doing, you know, I, in my Peter Greyhawk voice, could step up and be like, uh, "We are going this way to this place to do this thing with this person."
0: Or making the connections from the texts and that kind of thing.
1: Yep, that yeah. too.
0: And so, by building your knowledge into the story, mm-hmm. that really helped to keep it all tied together. Yeah, which I thought was fun.
1: But just you know, my personal involvement aside, this has just been a fantastic story. I mean, we all we all very vividly remember that one time in like episode three or something like that, where I just got up and started crying uh, (laughs) because of just connections I had made and just attachment to the story and all that. And I just, you know, I, I think it's a really cool story and I sadly have not been able to keep up with the podcast recently just because I'm terrible at sitting and listening to podcasts. Um, But I do hope to get caught up on season three and, figure out what on earth is going on with you people (laughs) yeah who this new person is that is sitting in my chair yeah but it's been great and i love this a lot
0: good well we are glad that you were a part of it while you were i still am yeah you are definitely who knows maybe you'll be back maybe (laughs) but thank you again Thane, for taking some time to chat of course always and again, Stackers, feel free to weigh in with any comments, thoughts, ideas you have about the game. And we look forward to seeing you again next time here at Stack of Dice.